Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Delvayon with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be recapping the transfer window that just closed in January, and then we're going to be doing some rapid fire with certain clubs that we're going to be looking at going into the second half of the season and some of the news that is going around recently with them. And then we'll get into some rapid fire topics along with maybe the return of some potential bets for the weekend. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, Lucas, there's been a lot of surprising moves near the second half of the January transfer window. We, we thought it was slow as shit, excuse my language, the first half. There was nothing going on. Ended up picking up greatly over the past couple of weeks since we last spoke. The biggest move being, obviously, Enzo Fernandez going to Chelsea on deadline day for the release clause, which was, uh, I mean, unbelievable to see. Million. Yeah, unbelievable to see. And cool part about that is River Plate essentially made 50 million euros off of that transfer because they had a 25% sell-on clause. And then they also uh, earned 20 million from Benfica via performance bonuses and the transfer fee that they made just like six or seven months ago in the summer transfer window. So just unreal business for River Plate. A club uh, in Argentina to get that amount of money is is definitely so much more impactful than you know, an English Premier League team getting that kind of money. You know, they're actually going to use that money and renovate their stadium. Which I believe, and it's it's crazy to think about, right? Because like a player that was bought for 120 million euros, you can build a stadium with that same amount of money with compared to, you know, essentially what they just sold. You could do so much with even simple fees that we saw, like Jorginho going for 10 million pounds to Arsenal, uh, also on deadline day, like that's not chunk change, you know, it's just the market is so inflated right now. It's, oh, just, yeah. it's so crazy to imagine, you know, seeing some of the stuff that we saw. So where do you want to get started? Bro, I think we got to get started with Chelsea. Okay. Because Chelsea have taken over this transfer window. Remember how we talked about it in the, in the summer, how Barcelona took over the transfer window in January, it was Chelsea. Unreal what they've done, dude. They spent $100 million on Mudrik. They spent $120 million on Enzo Fernandez. They spent $11 million on a loan for Joao Felix. And that's just the tip of the iceberg because they've also made signings uh, that just helps with their depth. They've gotten a new right back in. They've gotten a new center back in. Bro, in, since last summer, they have made $600 million in signings. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen a club do that. No, and it's crazy because they still have holes in their team, which is unbelievable. Yes. Imagine you spend that amount of money, you're expecting to, to see a real change in facelift in the squad. I could look at this team, and I look at their goalkeeping centri- uh, situation. The center of their midfield still... The striker, they need another right winger. You know what I mean? So, like, these these uh, signings are really great quality signings for e- shockingly large amounts of money. But for them, it just seems like the, the fee doesn't matter. They don't care. They want someone, they're going to get them, regardless of whether they negotiate or not. So you can essentially name your price for the most part, and, and then they'll do it. But, yeah. Uh, just to talk about him, because I'm pretty sure he's going to get some game time in, in 45 minutes, right? The kickoff for Chelsea Fulham is at 3 p.m. today. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon. 
And so, I mean, Mudrick, he had a cameo briefly, and he looked incredible too, super fast. I mean, he clocked the fastest time in the Premier League this season, which is mind-blowing to me. But, I mean, it's just so disappointing to see him go to Chelsea. I know the fee was a lot. Arsenal was pretty close, but the the difference was the incentives were easier for uh, Mudrick to reach with Chelsea's bid compared to Arsenal's. And then also... The wages that Merdrick earned with Chelsea were going to be higher than compared to Arsenal, and so I don't blame him for making that move. It just how much uh, is he earning? I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head, but he's he definitely is going to be making more. I would estimate like one hundred and eighty to two hundred pound uh, thousand pounds a week. Uh, wow. Let's see, right? Which is what Martinelli just signed for. So yeah. with the contract extension, but I mean, we could have had Martinelli and him. So that's insane. Wow, he's actually earning ninety-seven pounds, ninety-seven thousand pounds a week. Okay, I believe that. I mean, he was on like ten to fifteen thousand uh, before with Shakhtar, so that's a hefty pay raise. Uh, yeah. I, I don't blame him. I mean, if I was Arsenal, I would have paid it, but I think they just decided to walk away because they weren't going to match Chelsea's bid in any way. Yeah, dude, it's not worth that fee for you guys, in my opinion. You could have, you could save the money for the summer and get uh, Declan Rice. You can you can use that money for a lot of players in the summer that you would, are really in need of because to be honest you guys don't really need a winger like that you have Martinelli you have Saka you have Enketia who comes in for Gabriel Jesus you have Emil Smith Rowe who can play there Fabio Vieira like you have a lot of depth up top um, and then you also have that Loney in in uh, France uh, I'm forgetting his name right now oh, yeah. yes. Who's been just shredding Ligon? Like he's gonna come back next season. He's gonna be an absolute starter, like star for you guys. Um, and also, like I just think it's better off you guys saving the money and using it for a midfielder that you guys are in dire need of. And I mean, to be honest, going straight into Arsenal, they had some fantastic business with Jorginho. He is just such a smart player and knows how to dictate the game. Him next to uh, a machine, next to an uh, army guy like Shaka, like, it's going to be fantastic. Or him next to Partey. Like, having uh, Jorginho in there for that team, much needed depth. And it, with this market right now, good business, too. Yeah, I agree. I like the contract there, too. Uh, a year and a half with the option for an extra year. So, I mean, the concern for, you know, how much we were going to sign for or the length of his contract is non-existent for him. He's just a debt piece, and then it's not going to stop them from getting Rice or Caicedo in the summer. I want to play a quick game with you. Uh, so, it. so it's going to be – the game is which Chelsea signings are going to be successful, okay? You're going to say yes or no. I think we will agree on or, – or you could say you have no idea who this player is, which I will totally respect because – I really don't know some of these players either. Um, you just tell me what you think, and then we'll go from there. So uh, I think we, we will both agree. Enzo Fernandez. He is going to be a star. I agree. 100%. I, haven't, I cannot imagine this guy failing at all. I know. Uh, Mudrik. I think he's going to have one to two good seasons, and then he's going to flop. And he's okay. going to have one big moment that's going to uh, – make the Chelsea fans think that the wages are worth it or that uh, high fee was worth it. They already think it's worth it 
just based off his cameo. That's what I've seen. Okay, uh, Badiashili from Monaco, the center back. That's the center back, right? Okay. Um, I I honestly don't really know much about him. I don't know how he plays. Um, but if he's learning from Thiago Silva, I think he can be solid. However, the same thing would have been said with Chaloba, who started off last year so well, and then he just fell off a cliff. So I'm indifferent with that one. Right, I agree with that one. I, I mean, I like their their. I would never address the defense anymore if I'm Chelsea, aside from potentially the goalkeeper, right? Because they have so many center backs. They have so many uh, now right backs and left backs. Malo Gusto, the, the, you know, the back from Lyon. What do you think? I, I think it, he's not going to play much. So okay. I think it would be a flop in I terms agree. of like him not playing much. I agree. Uh, this one, I I personally think it's going to be a flop just due to injuries, but his name's Maruke. He's the winger from Eindhoven. I don't know. Uh, I got to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. How much was that fee? Dude, it was a lot. It was it was 29 million pounds. Sheesh. I, I want to tell you why you don't know too much about this guy. And this guy is kind of very concerning that they signed him for this much. I know people will saying that, you know, it's a good fee. He's got potential and stuff. I mean, this kid has really not made a lot of, you know, appearances. If you really think about it, he had a history of injuries. He, yeah. he does have cha- talent, but he's so young to have as many injuries as he's had. Uh, it's been difficult to him. I'm going to just read you his appearances uh, very, very quickly. Just give me okay. one second. All right, while we're doing this, what about Jao Felix? Uh, I think he's going to – he's going back to Atletico. I think he's going to – he's fantastic, dude. Like, really, really so good. But he works best behind the number nine. and They don't have a number nine right now. You know what I mean? So I think it, with Chelsea, he's going to flop. Career-wise, he's going to take uh, the next step for another team. I think he can go to Barcelona, and he can be fantastic over there. Or he can go to any of the Serie A teams, like AC Milan, Inter, Juve. Well, Juve may get relegated at this point. But uh, Juve, and just ball out. Like, really, I think he's fantastic. But I think with Chelsea, in the second half of the year, he's going to flop. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, he could he could potentially, he's going to go for less money, definitely, when it comes to the summer than compared to what Atletico want. I think they just accepted that he's going to be, a, you know, a loss. Just going to back to um, back to the right winger, right? So his appearances for Eindhoven, he he uh, he's he was there from you know 1920 to 2223. Obviously, he made only five appearances in the first half of this season. Last season, he only made 18 appearances in the league, and then 24 before that. So in total, since he started, he's played four, 32, 35, and then nine games in four years. So, like, I mean, that's, that's a, on average, 20 games per season. Like, what are you that's, really getting off of this player? For $29 million. Like, right. That's, that's so bad. Right. I, uh, I, Chelsea, I, I don't know what's going on with financial fair play. I don't know how it works out. But it's just not good, in my opinion. I think right now the Premier League is turning into the Super League that the Super League wanted to be. Because if you've looked at the January signings, the Premier League spent $800 million 
in signings for in just January. The next closest was La Liga. The next five leagues combined were still not even remotely close to the Premier League, which is just out- astonishing because it just goes to show how much the Premier League is raking in money-wise, and but also how unfair it is for the other leagues. Like, yeah. it's it's yeah. very difficult for every other league. I agree. It has to do with the deals, right? The the Premier League had deals earlier with the United States, which is why you know they're generating as much crazy money as they are. Uh, the other leagues are catching up, but the product that the Premier League puts out is just amazing. So that's why everyone wants to see it. That's why they have a lot of broadcast rights everywhere else, and uh, and and sponsorships, right? The quality of the pitch, right? The grass, like the way the jerseys are, it's just so aesthetically pleasing to watch which is why they generate so much money as they do. They put a great product on the field. Uh, but I ultimately agree with you. I, th- I think in a way kind of the Premier League has become the the Super League with the amount of signings that they're making. They're signing star players on other teams that are competing for Europe and, and other leagues to like teams that are fighting for relegation in the Premier League. So it's just kind of amazing to, to see what's happening here. We spent a lot of time on Chelsea, you know, but I think this is a good segue to talk about Everton, who made absolutely no signings and sold and sold their top scorer, albeit a player we both don't like and think is overrated, to Newcastle for forty million pounds. They they made no signings. They fired their manager. They appointed Sean Dyche, uh, who I think is a good manager, and you also agree is a good manager. But can you see these guys? not getting relegated. I do see these guys not getting relegated because there's still talent. There's still talent on that team. Damari Gray is fantastic. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, if he can stay healthy, is fantastic. Uh, like, I still think they have a chance of avoiding relegation just because of how tight that relegation battle is right now. Like, they just string together three to four wins. They can really just get out of the relegation zone. And I think Sean Deitch, he's going to go back to his Burnley ways, where he's just going to have them be a tight-knit team, have them outwork everybody, tire the other team out, and they'll just literally graze out, like, 1-0 victories. And that's the Everton way, in my opinion. Like, Everton was never flashy. Uh, They were never really the best team. They were just always up there still. But I think that's what they need to do. And that's fantastic signing for them managerial-wise because he's going to take them in the right direction and keep them there, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think they will get relegated. I, I disagree with you there. But I think he is a good manager. And I think that regardless of what happens, he should, they should convince him to stay on, whether they get relegated or not. You know, if they, get, if they don't, if for some reason they don't, then it's going to be really kind of incredible to see that and then see what they do in the summer with the amount of money that they earn. But right now you saw players don't want to go there because of the situation that's going on with the fans yeah. the club. They made bids that were accepted the last week of the January transfer window and the players that they bid for said no. They yeah. were, you know, so it's it tells you everything that they need to, to that anyone listening needs to know that the situation there is is really really not good and it just seems to me like that momentum is going to carry them in if there's any manager appointment that they were going to make to to survive relegation this is the appointment to make but whether they do it or not i mean 
their schedule coming up, they have to play Arsenal. So I, that's going to be interesting to see. I could see them winning because Arsenal hasn't won at Goodison Park in three or four appearances. But it'll be it'll be this hard. Arsenal side. I agree. I agree. Arsenal side. But looking at the bottom of the table, dude, there is three points that differentiate Leicester City in 14th and 20th place Southampton. 18 points at the top and 15 all the way at the bottom at Southampton. Right. And Everton actually have a pretty decent goal differential when compared to some of the other teams. You have Bournemouth with minus 23, Wolves with minus 18. If they can string together two wins, they beat Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest has minus 19 right now with that goal differential. So I think if they sh- just scrape together two victories... I think there's definitely some potential for them to escape relegation. Um, again, it'll be very difficult, but I do think that uh, Sean Dyche is the man for the job right now. I think that's totally fair. I, I just want to read you. They have to get results now, right? But I'm going to yes. tell you their schedule right now. They play Arsenal, then they play Liverpool, right? So two two tough games, but they play Liverpool out, uh, uh, at home, I believe. So they have an advantage there. Then they play Leeds, Aston Villa, and Nottingham Forest. Say that again? Sorry. Liverpool is away. Liverpool oh, is at the field. Okay, you're right then. So so just saying that, though, it's two difficult games, right? Then they have Leeds, Villa, and Nottingham Forest. Now, this is where their schedule gets really difficult, but they have to pick up points here, right? These Those those five games, they have to pick up something, like at least like eight points for them to, to realistically move on. This is their schedule going forward, Lucas. They play... <laughs> they play... Brentford, then they play Chelsea, then they play Tottenham, then they play Manchester United, then they play Fulham, and then they play Crystal Palace, um, which, you know, those two games, I can see them winning, but Fulham have been amazing. Yeah. And, and they, they closed three of their last four games, right? Newcastle, Brighton, and Man City. So, so No, actually, it's Wolves. Uh, it's Man City, Wolves, and then Bournemouth. Well, so I'm, they talking did- about the, I'm talking about... I'm talking about, sorry, um, like in three of their last six, right? If you look at the previous before that, my bad. But you're right. They have Wolves and they have Bournemouth. Those two games are winnable, right? But they have to pick up until those last two games. They have to be somewhere on, you know, 32 points to 34 points to to make it. Because yeah. if they don't, if they if they're not there, they're definitely getting relegated because of how brutal their schedule is. I, I feel mean, better. I can see. I, I can see 36 points getting uh, safety, in my opinion, because of how tight that bottom is. It's possible. I definitely, I definitely would not rule that out. It's one of those weird seasons where the relegation battle is so close, right? Yeah. But then if, once you go through that, there's a lot of great variance, right? It's like, it's like what we talked about before. The gap when Arsenal was eight points ahead, the gap from Arsenal and Man City was bigger than any other gap in the Premier League between two teams. Yeah. So, so, I mean, and that tells you how tight it is. You know, everybody, the only team that's really out of the relegation fight right now uh, in the bottom half, I would say, is Villa. And Crystal Palace is close, but Villa, like, you look at them, they're at 28 points. They've won three of their last four. They pulled themselves out of it. So, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how this shapes up. But we can't Going spend- to the top of the table. Yeah. Is that what you want to do? No, I was gonna say I was gonna say going into team like the top half. Well, you, you got me there. But I want to talk about Manchester United Newcastle next. No, uh, no, I want to talk about Arsenal first. Okay, or do you want to leave that for last? Because can- Arsenal 
have pretty much solidified the league, dude. <laughs> I don't say that. Tell me if I'm wrong. Listen, I don't think I don't think I think that they're gonna win the league. I don't think it's fair to say that it's solidified, right? Because they still play they play Everton and Brentford next, right? Which they have they have to get results against. But then Man City on the 15th is the big one that we're both kind of looking to. I'm so looking forward to this game that I took off for it. So like that's how that's how into it I am. And I'm not just saying that because also uh, is going to be spending Valentine's Day the day before my girlfriend. But like, doesn't matter. That fifteenth, I'm dedicating to you, Manchester City Arsenal. That's how it is. I I think the game. We didn't talk about this, but the game between Arsenal and Manchester United, that was the game that won Arsenal the league. And the reason for that, it was initially going to be a, a two till two two draw, but then Ketia comes in last second with uh, with a solid winner. Um, poor defending on Manchester United's part, but with that, that's two points that are additional for Arsenal and Arsenal right now are five points ahead of Man City with a game in hand. They win that game in hand. They would be eight points ahead of Man City. You cannot come back from eight points in this league, in my opinion, given how difficult it is. Um, but Arsenal have just been in such an amazing run that they're just not losing. They're just finding ways to win. So I think the league right now, February 3rd, 2023, has been secured by Arsenal. Okay. I, I would have to wait to see what happens against Man City first to, to think about that. Um, but I agree with you. With the game in hand, if they take care of business these next three games, then it's it's hard, right? With if they have 15 games left, they're 11 points ahead. You know, they basically have secured a three-game advantage over Manchester City. That that really means that they have to win maybe 10 of their last, you know, 15 to to really secure the title, which is totally possible with this team. Uh, sure. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I like their business. I just want to say that they signed Trossard. They signed uh, Kuar, and then they signed Jorginho, all for a combined total of like 50 million pounds, which yeah. is basically kind of like, you know, way less than what our, uh, what Chelsea spent on Mudrick. So uh, I know they tried to go after Casado. I don't blame Brighton for, for rejecting the bids. I was shocked, though. I personally would have accepted a 70 million pound bid with uh, 10 million pounds in incentives, which is what Arsenal bid. I would have accepted it. Um, but... I don't blame them for for rejecting it, and that's something that's going to get tabled for for the summer, you know. For sure. So I'm going to read some of the games that I think are losable for Arsenal. Okay. Now remember, they have 19 games and they have 19 games left. Okay. Right. So they have City, they're home. I right. think they're still going to win that game because they're home. I think Arsenal should win, but it's still City. Anything could happen, right? I but that's I think it'll that. I think it'll just be a split. So I agree with you. They'll win one, lose one. So they get one loss. Okay. One loss. Then you go down all the way to April 8th because the rest of their fixtures should be easy wins, in my opinion. April 8th, they get Liverpool. Okay. At, at, at Anfield. Right? Yep. At Anfield, yes. Then That's they get – we already talked about City. Then they have Chelsea, which they're home for Chelsea. Chelsea could be in some decent form with this new squad. They can really just play better together. So let's count that as three. Then they have Newcastle. 
out away. Newcastle have been in great form. Let's count that as four. That's it. Four games that you can really make an argument that Arsenal have a chance to lose. Yeah, I kind I mean, of agree with that. But, but they'll, they'll end up it, dropping points to, to other teams, right? They drop points against Southampton. There are some difficult fixtures for them historically. But I, I do agree. They're so consistent. They're, they have yet to play a bad game all season. And, you yes. know, they, they may play one, but, like, they have yet to play a bad game all season. And that's the key to, to winning in the Premier League. It's just the consistency. It's the effort. It's making the trainings harder than the games. So uh, I think there's a severe advantage. I think they did everything in January that, that any Arsenal fan would have wanted them to do. So with that being said, I feel like there's no real – there's nothing really that will hold, hold them back besides injuries if they keep Nick, up with consistency. Just lock it in. Accept it. Don't be a typical Arsenal fan. Don't be so negative. I said Don't I be so negative. You're, on the t- you're at the top of the table. You're, you're five points ahead with a game in hand. Bro, you're going to be on 95 points. Dude, the last, time, the last time they won the league, I was nine years old. So I'm 27. I'm about to turn 28 in, in two weeks. So accept it. Accept it. I can't. <laughs> when yeah. will you accept it? If uh, they beat City? If top of the table with an eight-point lead with eight games left, I will accept it. <laughs> eight games left. Dude, you guys are going to go on an insane run right now. You guys are probably going to lose one game in the Premier League in the next two months. I know, and you still probably wouldn't accept it. <laughs> listen, listen the, the me on the outside is saying this, but the me on the inside is, is like screaming, we're going to break the points record. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. That's what the internal me is saying. The external me is trying to keep it cool, trying to be composed. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard to say. I, I, I'm i excited for the second half. Uh, this is probably, we've talked about this Arsenal team all season, even in the beginning, that this is the best Arsenal team we've seen since 07-08. And now it's kind of been pushed back all the way to, to 03-04. This is the best team since the Invincibles. They've proven it. They have all the squad talent. You know, there's world-class players everywhere, and it's crazy because it's like Arsenal made them that way. It's not like yeah. they were world-class when they, they first came to Arsenal. The talent was there, but then they became what they became. And also, before we move on to uh, Newcastle and I Manchester want, United, I have one statement before we move on. But uh, go ahead. Something first, yeah. Uh, Martinelli signing on till 2028. Uh, amazing, amazing news. Shows that the club is serious on keeping their star-talented players. If if any pl- team was to bid for Martinelli, the minimum price to get him would have to be 150 million pounds. And even then, I don't think Arsenal would sell him. All right. Really? I, I would say 100, uh, 120. But he's that's better than Madrid, right? Agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why 120. So then the, that's that's where my head's at, right? But um, but go ahead. What were you gonna say? I think you're saying that they haven't won the league, or the, it's not secured right now. Because if, and this is a big if, Manchester City come back from that eight-point deficit, you are going to be so upset if it happens. So I think you're saying this because you don't want to have that, that downfall. You don't want to have that negativity. You don't want to be so upset if you don't win the league. No, because if they don't win the league, I think they'll win it next year. Uh uh no nah, now we could transition okay now we can transition <laughs> because right. you know we're in the league next year 
Manchester United. Bro. Bro, it's it's it feels so good actually to have you Arsenal and United back on top. That that uh matchup two weeks ago between Arsenal and United, it felt like the good old days, right? I felt just, like Vidic, Thierry Henry, Rio Ferdinand, Wayne Rooney, uh, Patrick Vieira, Dennis Bergkamp. Like, bro, it was the good old days, and like both our sides are back on top, and it feels. Good. Speaking of United, Eric Ten Hag's bringing us to a final for the first time in five years. Getting us to the Carabao Cup. He has been in incredible form in terms of setting up the side, getting the team to play that they should be playing. And it's good football again. Feels good to be a Manchester United fan again. Like, I just trust him in anything that he does. He'll tell me to jump off a bridge and I'll jump off that bridge. <laughs> like, he will literally be the savior that we needed. And he has helped us develop and move into a place that I didn't think would is possible in our first year. It's incredible to see what he's done. The work that he's done with all the players. The psychology that he's brought into the side but also to make sure that the player's psychology and their mental state is in the right place. He's had Jaden Sancho go away for a couple months, take care of himself mentally, because there was a lot going on in his personal life. And having that happen, Jaden Sancho, this comeback is going to be unreal. You have Marcus Rashford playing like he deserves the Ballon d'Or right now. Like, I saw this season that Marcus Rashford's goal and assists are more than Arsenal's front three goal and assists combined. That's not true. It is. That's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I could tell you. We'll look up his goals and assists right now. Marcus Rashford's goals and assists are 26. Continue. Saka by himself in the Premier League has more goals and assists than Rashford does in the Premier League. I, I don't believe that. I'm telling you right now. I know this for a fact. I do not believe that because I, I, I saw these stats. Because right now, look, 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 look. Okay. Marcus Rashford has five goals, two assists in the EFL Cup, so the Carabao Cup. He has nine goals, three assists in the Premier League. So that's 12 plus seven, that's 19, and then four in the Europa League total. Okay. So that's, uh, and then the FA Cup, which isn't included here. What does Saka have? I'll tell you right now. What, what are you using as a source, though? Google. Okay, Saka has 14 in the uh, 14 goal, uh, goals and assists in the Premier League, right? Which is more than Rashford in the Premier League, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay, uh, let's see. In the Europa League, he has uh, six appearances, one goal, but he doesn't start in the Europa League. He hasn't started a Europa League game, maybe one or two all season. Other than that, he's come on on the 15th minute. Uh, he has one goal in the EFL Cup and then one assist in the... Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong one. It's only the Premier League and the Europa listed. But based off of that, he has 15, right? So, Wait, are you saying ESPN FC was a liar? Yes. Okay. All right, that's fair. Because I'm seeing 26 goal contributions from Rashford and 25 from Saka and uh, Martinelli combined. It could be because... Is it just Saka and Martinelli you're just counting? Huh? Is it, you're just counting Saka and Martinelli? Yeah, both of them uh, combined. 
Okay, I thought I thought Enkedia was also included in this. No, That's, no, 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 just Saka and Martinelli. Okay, I don't I don't disagree with that. I, I'm sorry. I thought you said the front three. Never mind. You're you're correct. Continue. No. I did say the front three, but I meant Saka and Martinelli. Okay. Um, but anyways, Rashford has been playing lights out, like incredible, and I think anybody in the league can see that. Like the way that he's been playing it, he's inevitable. Um, it's really fantastic. So happy about it. But it's the way that this team has been so much more in control. Like, I have never seen a team this much in control since Fergie. And even then, there's still some hesitancy. Like, this team, I'm going into it. I'm like, all right, I know my back four are going to be secured. No matter who it is. You have Wamba Saka in there who's actually turning into prime Donny Alves somehow. Like, bro, it's unbelievable. You have... Maguire, who's not making dumb mistakes. You have Lindelof, who's actually just so versatile. Luke Shaw playing center back. What is going on right now? But also, the key to it all is our, our Rolls Royce. And I, I apologize, Nick. I'm so sorry for this. I said, what is this signing in the beginning of the year? Casemiro is the best defensive mid in the entire world. Like, the fact that we got him for $60 million before the season is unbelievable. Yeah, I agree with you. He is definitely the best defensive midfielder in the world right now. He's scoring. He's destroying the midfield and dominating. He is better. I mean, he's better than Party. I know, I know people will uh, say which is better. Casemiro is better. Uh, I understand why people think Party is better because he's playing for the best team in the league. But... Casemiro's impact on the midfield for Manchester United is greater than Partey's. And I can tell you this because before he even started playing consistently for Manchester United, they were losing 4-0 to Brentford, uh, and they were getting absolutely blasted. He is a stable force in their midfield, and he allows you to play attacking midfielders centrally, like Eriksen, right, who plays higher up on the pitch, but now he's dropping back and playing as a central midfielder, quote-unquote, when he's really yep. not, because it's it's essentially a four-one-four-one formation that you guys are playing. It's the same yep. thing that, that that Arsenal is doing, except the difference really is that Casemiro is also scoring consistently more than Thomas Partey is. So that's where that's where I would say the differentiator is too. Uh, but he's essentially been the best signing that you guys have made all summer. And I know Lissandro's close, but in my opinion, he's he's the best signing that you guys made. Uh, and with that being said, I wanted to ask you what your prospects are. How do you feel about playing Newcastle in the League Cup final? Newcastle have done bits this season, really done bits. Like that's a nerve-wracking game. Like they they really have done really good business. They brought Anthony Gordon in, which we both said earlier he's not the kind of player that we both like, but he is the a player that provides that depth. Um they still have Alan St. Maximum. They have uh, I'm literally blunt. Callum Wilson in there. They have Bruno G in there, like fantastic players who actually know how to play, and uh, they've just been set up to succeed. Like they've played great football, and all started last January when they had that Kieran Trippier signing. Like who would have thought getting the Saudis on board, having Kieran Trippier as your first signing, how much? that would impact them. Um, really, it's a, it's a nerve-wracking game in terms of the final, but you can see in the league, 
Newcastle are balling out, like really, really good. And they, I think, pretty much solidified themselves as a top team this season. Yeah, I agree with you. They're definitely going to make the Champions League or Europe at the very least. They're that good of a team. Eddie Howe has had the impact on Newcastle. Uh, you can say that it's been greater than 10 hogs at Manchester United because when he took over Newcastle, they were 20th in the Premier League. And over a year later, just barely over a year later, they, they survived relegation, finished mid-table, and they're competing for a trophy while currently being in fourth place in the Premier League. And it's just it's just an amazing impact. It's it's a lot harder, I understand, to go from you know competing for Europe to competing for the title. But at the same time, I mean, Newcastle was just in a dire situation, and he's turned it around. And a lot of the players, like you look at Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne has been the best left back in the Premier League all season. And yeah. and it's it's crazy to talk about, right? But Dan Byrne, Nick Pope, you know, Trippier, it's not like they're, they're signing great players, right? But they're not players that you look at and you're like, oh, these players are world-class players right off the bat. He is putting them into that level. I mean, Gumarash, like, is that world-class player for them? Isak can become that world-class player for them. But there's still some parts here that you look at this team and you're like, well, these players aren't who we'd expect to be the ones competing for Champions League. And he's put them in that position. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Manchester United, Newcastle in this League Cup final because a trophy is amazing for both of these teams. For oh, both for sure. teams. And mentality-wise, it is crucial, right? Especially because these two teams are essentially competing with each other for yeah. the Champions League spots, right? So, so mentality-wise, it's going to be a lot for for either of them to get a win over the other. And we'll see what will happen. A loss could collapse either of their seasons, although I do feel like both are mentally strong enough to overcome a loss here. It's just uh, it's just really important to see what ends up happening with Manchester United and Newcastle in the League Cup final later this month. Yeah. I mean, both these teams really turns it around, as you said. Um, I, I quickly want to transition into the Serie A because there's just a few teams I want to touch on, and these boys have just been cooking. Like, what is going on over there in Naples? Napoli has been un real dude big o has been unbelievable uh i i keep like trying to pronounce his name crush cravadona 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 has been unreal bro like who would have thought this season like they've been this this good um you have to give credit to the players like not only just in the city uh but you see it in the Champions League, too. They have a very good chance at making a run in the Champions League. Uh, they've, I think, in my opinion, pretty much solidified the Serie A at this point. But is there anything you want to talk about regarding Napoli? Man, I just want to echo everything that you said. Uh, incredible team. If you had to power rank the most impressive like teams of the season, they are number one. They're number one over Arsenal. They, I mean, I understand they they were contending last season and they fell off, but man, this team is so impressive from top to bottom. You have to give credit to Spalletti for putting them in this mentality and playing attacking football. They have conceded the least goals in Serie A while also scoring the most. 
Their goal differential is plus 33. The next closest is plus 20 with Lazio. They have 53 points. Inter Milan has 40 points with the same amount of games played. You know, we talk about Arsenal, like, you know, you saying that the season is is locked up, wrapped up. This This is a lock. This season is, this one is truly a lock for them. It's, I cannot see them losing this title. I mean, look at the team. They play like, they played, you know, most of their hard fixtures already. Like, I'll look at their schedule, right? They play, and, and Lucas, like, they, they can make it to the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the Champions League, too. They play Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean, I'm going to play the over every single fixture for that game, the home and the way. Doesn't matter. It's going to be just a goal fest for them. But they play Eintracht Frankfurt away, and they could, they could easily make it to the quarterfinals, if not the semifinals. Because if I'm that team, like, there's nobody that I'm absolutely scared of at all. They beat Liverpool like 4-1 earlier this season. Yeah. They're not scared of anybody. They play Spezia, Cremonese, Sassuolo, Empoli before playing Lazio in the league. They're going to probably pick up another 12 points from those fixtures before playing Lazio. At that point, you're sitting there with 65 points and a 13-point lead, right? So, I mean, season's done for them. Uh, season, yeah, season's fully locked up for... Uh, Napoli, but I mean, the story you want to say here is Juve. Yes. Oh, like you want to get into that because that is insane that in a span of two decades, there's been two scandals yeah. for Juventus. Yeah, this one, this scandal, uh, I it seems more targeted towards Juventus, and there seems to be some kind of rumblings that. Other teams in Syria potentially did this, but the story to sum it up is that Juventus allegedly, quote unquote, cooked the books uh, and inflated the values of certain transfers where it it necessarily wasn't the case. And they did that in order to kind of show uh, a positive book on, on yeah. the records, right? Juventus is a publicly traded company. I know it's owned by the Agnelli family, but as is the case with all publicly traded companies, you have to disclose this information. So so with that being said, that's where you see this situation happening with Juventus. That's why they were deducted all the points that they were deducted. I believe it was 15. And yeah, and that's why they're sitting 13th currently. And I mean, they won in the Copa Italia. So it seems to be like that's the only trophy they're really going to win. Squad is kind of demoralized. There are some players that already want to leave that don't want to play there anymore. Yeah. And it's just it's just interesting to see what ends up happening with them going forward. And also, while we're on the topic of Juventus, I just want to say I like their old crest way better than their current crest. Their current crest is so ugly. Their logo with the horse in the middle with the golden, you know, embalment surrounding it is an all-time classic jer- uh, jersey and club crest. Super disappointed that they replaced it with, excuse my language, but a fucking J. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's a J, dude. They're trying to be like minimalistic. They got rid of the horse. Like the horse was the crest. Like, come on, dude. Like, what is it? Like, what are you progressing? Just showing a J? Like, no one wants to see that. Yeah. Man, man Lazio is filled with fascist supporting fans. Uh, not all of them, but but you know the ultras particularly from w- what I've heard. And their crest is amazing. Alalanta's crest, amazing. Napoli's crest, amazing. Inter Milan, we both prefer the old crest, you know. But but the thing with it is sometimes you're doing too much. And I know this is a totally delayed conversation because 
they've had this crest for years, but uh, you know, we're we're kind of you know bagging on Juventus here, so I just wanted to to bring it up. And while we talk about this, Lucas, uh, and I ask you this question, um, how many seasons do you think is going to take for Juventus to recover from this? Do you think they're going to fall off now because of the situation that they're in? I do not, um, because I still think they're going to stay in the city. Uh, and because they're still going to stay in, stay in the city, uh, not a lot of the players are going to leave. Uh, I think only a handful will leave. But they'll be able to recover very seamlessly. They'll be in the top four picture again next year. Um, but right now, I think only some of the top players that I've heard, like Lahovic, want to leave. Whereas everyone else, I think, are, are going to stay. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I ultimately agree with you uh, and your, your take here. My question to you before we go on to uh, to Roma and Milan, who we're going to probably not spend that much time on because they, it's very clear that they've fallen off, is uh, what are you? What do you have to guess for odds for Napoli to win the Champions League? Oh, it's got to be like minus. Oh, Champions League, Champions League. Sorry, I was thinking instead of Champions League. It's got to be plus eighteen hundred. Good guess, but it's actually plus a thousand. They are, no. hey. yeah, they're tied for they're tied for fourth uh, with Liverpool. It's Man City, dude. Man City's odds are plus one seventy five to win. Bayern Munich, so they're the, they are the far and away favorite, far and away. Bayern Munich plus six fifty, PSG plus seven fifty, Liverpool and Napoli plus a thousand. Real Madrid, I mean, when will they ever learn? Real Madrid plus eleven hundred. Uh, Real is worse than Napoli. Yes, dude. Yeah. Oh, it's because of the fixture that Napoli has. Right. Exactly. Like Bayern and PSG, they play each other, which is why their odds are so stagnated. Man City's fixture is way easier too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening here. I'm pretty sure Real Madrid ends up playing Liverpool also. So um, if you think about it that way, it's just going to be really interesting and probably also is the reason why the odds are, are stagnated the way they are. Yeah, that is very, very shocking. Um, and, I mean, just quickly going back to Milan-Roma, but also just the top four battle. Look at that top four battle, man. Like, you have five teams gunning for three spots, which is insane. It's three points differentiating Inter to Roma. You have Inter, Lazio, Atalanta, Milan, and Roma. If... Juve didn't get that 15-point deduction. Juve would have also been in that picture. But, Nick, Milan has dropped off. Roma has actually been in really good form. I think Milan is going to bounce back. I think they'll be they'll end up being okay. Just because the form is very poor right now, I think they'll end up being okay, though. Who do you think finishes in the top four? Atalanta. Okay. Uh, Enter. Yep, I agree with Inter. You you don't agree with uh you don't agree with Atalanta, I guess. Um, I I can sway multiple ways. Like it's really up in the air. I would say, man, it's just tough because oh, it's just tough. But I would say Atalanta, Napoli, Inter, and I'm going to say Roma and just be different. I like that. 
I I think it's gonna be Inter Milan and Roma, like okay. Inter Milan and Roma. I think Lazio and and Atalanta are gonna fall off just slightly. Um, I just want to see have those top four be there because that would be like classic right there. You have Inter, you have Milan, you have Roma, you have Roma going back to the Champions League. I mean, it's fully deserved. And knowing Jose Mourinho, I think he can definitely get them there. Um, but I can see any of these five teams getting into the top five, uh, top four. Who's your Who's your player of the year so far in the Serie? A? It's it's tough. It it's between two guys, obviously. Okay. Actually, you can make an you can make an argument for three guys. You have uh, Kim Jun Un, I believe, is what uh, the pronunciation is. You have Kvaradona, and you have uh, Osemen. Okay. Who, I think it's between the latter two, and honestly, it's a coin toss. Okay, so I think I think uh, Kavash Scalia, like you said, Osimin, uh, I would put up there, and then I would actually have Lookman from Atalanta too as my third. Okay. So, because I'll I'll tell I'll read you the stats just between uh between uh, Osimin and Lookman, right? So so Osimin has played sixteen, scored in fourteen, assisted three, right? Lookman has played in 19, scored in, uh, scored 12, and then assisted three. The goals per 90, though, is very close. Osman is 0.95. Lookman is 0.92. So yeah. the goal is 95 to 98. The goal conversion, though, is insane for Lookman. Osman is 28% uh, goal conversion with a 52% shot accuracy. Lookman is 48% goal conversion with a 68% shot accuracy. Which is insane, like absolutely insane, right? I mean, just unbelievable performance for him to score on that. His XG must be off the charts. Yeah, um, dude, that's actually insane. Yeah, so so that's why I would put him up there. He's every time I look at Alana games and there's a high scoring game, he's always on the list. And yeah, I think that's wildly impressive for him. Um, so we have a couple of other clubs that we want to hit, right? Bayern, we just want to talk about them signing Cancelo. Uh, yep. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about with them? No, I mean, just I mean, we knew that they were going to end up being top of the league. You had Union Berlin uh, at the top at one point, but we knew that Bayern were just going to bounce back. But the Cancelo signing is groundbreaking story, dude. I did not expect that over the weekend. And then Monday I wake up and I'm like, whoa, Cancelo to Bayern, what? What happened? So it turns out Cancelo was not happy with the lack of playing time, and he uh, threatened to leave. So Pep, being Pep, was like, go ahead, leave. So then they loaned him out with a $7 million or 7 million euro uh, buy-on cl- or buy-fee, what, sell-on clause, whatever that, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah buy option. Yeah. 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 Oh, buy option. Yes. Seven, $70 million for Cancelo is actually pretty decent. Um, I don't think he's going back to uh, Man City after this. He really was being a prima donna, uh, in my opinion, and just hasn't done what he's needed to do. And his spot was taken by Rico Lewis, who's just been fantastic for the club. Um, so that's the only thing I wanted to call out about uh, Bayern and Cancelo. But what's funny is in his first game, he already assisted. He's amazing, and we are big Cancelo fans on this podcast. It's disappointed to see him fall off the form the way he did because he was amazing. He was so good they gave him the number seven at Manchester City, you know. Yep. So, so 
crazy to see him fall off the way he did. He's going to do great at Bayern for the rest of the season, and then he's going to sign somewhere else, uh, like you were saying. So I got nothing to add here. Uh, just, you know, next week I think we'll talk about the Bundesliga a little bit more because that race is getting very interesting. And uh, for Real Madrid Barca, I mean, the only thing I really wanted to talk about is my opinion has not changed. I still think Barca is going to fall off, and I still think Real Madrid is going to win the title. But I don't know if you wanted to add anything else to that, Lucas. I mean, I think at this point it seems like it's Barca at the at the halfway stage. Whenever you see a club that has a five point gap uh, in the La Liga, you typically typically that team finishes the season as winner. Um, in the past five years, four of the past five winners have been leading uh, at the halfway mark. So. I think this is Barca's to lose. They've been in incredible form. I think Real Madrid is going to focus on uh, the Champions League, whereas Barcelona's in the Europa League. You don't really know if they're going to focus on the Europa League. So I think Barcelona, uh, they're pretty much locked in, in my opinion. Not locked in. I would say I'd lean 65% chance that Barcelona win the league. Okay. I would go... Yeah. I would go uh... I would go 45-55 for, for Madrid to win. Um, wow. Yeah, so I'm still there. I just want to hit one last quick hitter, uh, and then we can go into our bets and anything else you'd want to talk about. But PSG not signing Skriniar and Zayek. Uh, I know they agreed to sign Skriniar at the end of the season, but getting him in January would have been crucial for their Champions League hopes because of how good of a defender he is and how he solves kind of the depth issue that they have there. And then also with Zayek, you can, or Zayesh, you can uh, essentially rotate him in with Messi and Neymar and Mbappe. And, and he would provide a lot of game time on that side too. But to not get both done, I think it kind of seals it. I was already kind of leaning towards Bayern Munich winning uh, that, that fixture uh, anyway. And, and it seems to have concluded that too with, Mbappe being in doubt for that game uh, as well. Speaking of Zayech, he actually started uh, in today's game against Fulham, which is kind of crazy that they were about to loan him out to PSG, and now he's starting for Chelsea. He was at he was at, in Paris begging them <laughs> to send over yeah. the work. The timeline for that was crazy. Uh, I don't know. Have you have you seen it? I I have not. But okay. I think I, I read up on it that, like, I, I didn't see that he was actually in Paris. Um, but I did read up on it that, like, it just fell through. Yeah, I mean, I want to I wanna read you the timeline as reported by, by Sky Sport before we get into our bets, okay? Uh, <laughs> this is all on the same day, okay? At uh, 9.40, PSG sends Chelsea a markup of their loan agreement. From 1040 uh, or 1046, 1048, 1049, and 1050, PSG called Chelsea to ask them to sign the loan agreement. No answer. 1055, Chelsea sends PSG the incorrect document, and it isn't signed. Uh, one minute later, PSG sends Chelsea the loan agreement signed by the club and the player. Chelsea replied two minutes later that they have signed sent a signed version attached to the mail. The version attached was again an incorrect document that was not signed at 11.03, three minutes past the deadline. PSG finally received from Chelsea the signed version. 
and then PSG download the contract into the league football system, and then it gets rejected because it's four minutes later. That's insane, dude. Bro, whoever was working on that Chelsea transfer, you messed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. It's unreal. Uh, I mean, wild to me. But what can you do? Uh, yeah. I guess Can't it's do for them to play him, though, in this game to kind of get his head right, sort of. So we'll see what ends up happening here with them. But um, before we, we end the podcast, I think we're returning – our bets for the weekend, you know, we've done some reflecting and we realized that we were just not aggressive enough. We were playing scared. So I got some hard hitters for, uh, for this weekend, Lucas, and I'm ready to go. Uh, I hope you, you kick us off. All right. So I have Arsenal, uh, with the spread, they have to win by two goals at plus plus one twenty against Everton. I like that bet. I like the plus odds. Arsenal historically has not played well at Goodison Park, uh, I'm going to respond to that and say, I don't care. <laughs> We're doing it. All right, my first one. I like Real Madrid money line against Mallorca at minus 145. Uh, again, Real Madrid need to stay in this title race. They need a win. They need the three points. Minus 145 for Real Madrid odds is just too good to be true, to be honest. So, um, yes, they're, yes, they're away, but I think that's pretty much uh, a given that they will uh, get a victory. That's a great, great odds. I have RB Leipzig uh, minus 120 against Cohn, uh, just straight up money line too. I like the bet. I like Zeipzig. You have that too, Lucas? No, you don't. Yeah, I do. So do I. Uh, twins. You guys, you guys got to double down on that then. Yeah, yeah. That okay. That'll be your bet then. We'll do that as your bet. I have Eintracht Frankfurt as a three-way spread. Again, to win by two goals against Hertha Berlin at plus 125. I like I, that. I also have a third one. So, uh, um, Napoli, three-way spread, minus one against Spezia. Again, we were talking about Napoli. They just score goals. They love scoring goals. Uh, really fantastic. Yeah, I like that too. I want to do something with uh, with the goals for Barcelona against Sevilla. Uh, as I've stated before, you know, they're Barcelona really good at not conceding goals, especially in La Liga. You could hit both teams to score at no at minus 136, which I think is really good. Uh, and then, you know, the result for both to score, like, stay away from that. Like yeah. I said, they do, not, they do not concede goals. And I think to score in both halves, right – Barcelona at plus 108, I also like them too. The over, under, you know, under two and a half goals, I like them for that as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go. I think the bet that I'll just lock in, though, right off the bat is both teams not to score at minus 136. That'll be the bet that I go with. I mean, you look at Ter Stegen. Ter Stegen has been fantastic in goal. Like, he hasn't conceded many, if any, goals. Uh, at most, he'll probably concede one goal in the league. So, uh, I like that bet as well. All right. So we've gone through that, Lucas. We are heading up another awesome soccer weekend or football weekend, as we prefer to say on this podcast. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we Dude, I think we covered off on everything that we needed to over the past couple of weeks. I mean, as always, there's a lot of good football, as you mentioned. And Champions League's coming up. Everybody get ready for it. Yeah, going to be a big, big weekend. 
an amazing second half of the season. We'll catch you guys next week. We hope you enjoy the show.